Welcome to The Savvy Sauce, where we have practical chats for intentional living. I'm your host, Laura Duggar, and I'm so glad you're here. Our sponsors for today's episode are Solid Rock Christian Academy and Chick-fil-A East Peoria. Check out solidrockchristianacademy.org for their alternative schooling option with a solid biblical view. And visit cfaeastpeoria.com for available employment opportunities or to place your catering order. Courtney DeFeo is my returning guest today, and she is an engaging storyteller and resource genius. So she's going to share a lot of encouragement and direction with us, specifically as it relates to parenting in partnership with Jesus, so that we can provide rich soil in our children's lives and hopefully help them cultivate seeds of faith, which will provide blessings and benefits now and forevermore. Here's our chat. Welcome to the Savvy Sauce, Courtney. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be back. Well, the first time you were on the Savvy Sauce was over four years ago, I believe. So I can't wait to hear an update. What phase of life are you and your family currently in? I can't believe it, but we're in the teenage, which is just crazy. So they're 13 and 16, eighth grade and 10th grade. Ron is still working at American. We're here in Texas. Um, if we get some time on the end, I'll tell you about my December, but we had a cancer journey with Ron this Christmas. So a lot of what you'll hear me talk about today comes from a very surreal point of perspective. That's like, nothing matters. My husband's alive mm-hmm. and it makes all the things uh, seem very trivial when you go through that. So he's, I'm happy to report he's doing great. They got a pancreatic cancer. They found it early. They got everything out via a surgery, which is just an absolute miracle with this kind of cancer. And he doesn't need radiation or chemo. So we are floating on a miracle and really thankful to have our main guy around for many years. So, Wow. I have goosebumps everywhere hearing that. Goodness. I I say it real flippantly, but uh, I think we're going to probably do an Instagram live or Facebook to tell the whole story because it's truly like God's hand through the whole thing. And so there's a lot of details. I hate to like love that on people, but it's real. It's what we're, our new lens of life is coming through that. And so I wanted y'all to, at least I have a heads up as I talk through some of these things. (laughs) Yes. We'll certainly keep us posted so that we can all tune into that. And now I'm especially excited to get your perspective. So when you and Ron do reflect back on parenting, what are you most pleased with regarding ways that you two chose to invest in your family? Yeah, I think across the board, the time spent. And and I don't think that's in a way of like quantity of time. I think it's quality of time. We have really put them as a, a huge priority in both of our lives. And it goes consistently because it just flies. Everybody says that, but it's like, here we are. My oldest is driving and she's not home very often. She's gone all the time. And so I just look back and think that those moments in the carpool and at the playground and at their field trips, um, you just can't get them back. And so we're so thankful that we've had time with them. And is there anything that especially stands out? Was it more of those little moments that you're talking about or travels or the big celebrations? What comes to mind? Yeah, I think we do it differently. I do stay home for the majority of my day. So I'm able to be at all the things. And I want to do want to make a caveat up front 
that I heard my, one of my best friends, Sissy Goff is a counselor. And she said that one of the danger traps that we're falling into as parents is making them our entire world. And so I do want to just set that stage that like we, we are not obsessed with them to the point that they are our entire lives. We still have our marriage. We still have our own walk of faith. I still have speaking and teaching and all the things that I do, but they're a pretty significant part. And we do intentionally spend a lot of time with them. Um, so I think that we can, as a culture, get kind of pulled into like obsession where they're the only thing that matters. And then we can also swing too hard to the other way and neglect them. So I think wherever you fall in that tension is like just knowing it and going, Oh, I'm creeping into helicopter mom, or I'm creeping into not paying attention to them at all. And so it's different for each person. But to answer your question, I'll use Ron. So Ron is an executive in America and he works a lot. And so he early on in our parenting read that book by Andy Stanley, choose to cheat. And was like, you're going to have to cheat something. You can't do everything. So he will, when he's able, choose to cheat work or a meeting. And as people know that, and sometimes he can't leave. But he has found that every morning he can take them to school. And so he has consistently, over time, taken them to school most days of the week, which I love. I'm like, yay, I'll stay in my pajamas. Uh, but that's his window of like, they listen to music. He catches up with them. They laugh. And and it's not as much time as I spend with them, but I can guarantee you looking back, they'll be like, my dad was there every morning. And he certainly puts the phone down and talks to them in the evening as well. But I'm so proud of him for that because with his job, there's not a whole lot of like, oh, I can just walk away for four hours and kind of sit at the field trip. There's not a lot of that. But when he's able, he is so there and so attuned to them and making little memories. But as a family, we do like to travel. Obviously, with American, we've got some perks. And I like to be the house as well. And we'll talk about that more in the teen years, but I like to have their friends over as often as possible. You learn a lot when you're the house where people come. So mine is typically like saying yes to the sleepovers and the parties and the things. So I can just keep an eye on who's in their life and, and pour into their friends as well. So that's a lot of material, but that's a few ways. Yeah, that is so good. And I'll link back to our previous episodes together but in those, we focused more on younger children. So today, I want to switch our attention to those tween and teen years. You always have fabulous and fun ideas for planting and cultivating seeds of faith in our children. So what are a few of your favorite ways you do this in everyday life with your own girls? Yeah. And another caveat I want to say up front is that uh, Jeannie Kanyan has said this before, but we are significant as parents. We're not sovereign and God is sovereign. And so I will say a lot of things that we did or I did, but with the hope that you guys understand, like God has moved through this whole thing and I can't take credit for all the good. I certainly don't want to take credit for all the bad. <laughs> so it's like this constant thing where I want to encourage parents to be active and be intentional, but not put the entire responsibility on yourself. God redirected some things I thought were the path and they weren't the path for my kid. It's a balance. It's a balance like the other tension. There's tension in all of it. So for middle school and high school, I have been very focused on people and places. So who is in their life and then where they are going to specifically experience God. And so that may look different for every family, but we have, they happen to be at a Christian school, but I don't think that's a mandate, you know, but I, I didn't want them there unless the faith was real. If it was a Christian school by label and they, people were not walking it out, we would not be there anymore. That is one place. Camps. I know people have different feelings about overnight camps, but for one of my children, she's been significantly Im impacted by her faith in a specific overnight camp. And so we make time and set aside money to make sure she's in that environment. 
church on Wednesday. I know different, like the Northeast people are like, wouldn't that be nice to have a youth group program? <laughs> but for here in Texas, where it's like Bible Belt, we have let them try different ones and not, and for a while I wanted to make them go to our church, but they for a season went to other churches where their friends were. And they were just getting around people that would say the same thing that I would and a voice that they care about. So there's a phase where they just roll their eyes at you, you know, but then if you dial in a mentor or a small group leader or a pastor that would say the same things you want to say, but they receive it differently because it's someone cool, it's someone younger. And so you'll really see that shift happening in middle school and high school where they start paying attention to other voices more than yours, whether it's their friends or other leaders. It's not to say you're not, they're not listening. They just may not go like, mom, that was a good word. Thanks for sharing that. So people in places, and I keep quoting people because I don't want to take their material, but Andy Stanley and Sandra had a big impact on me and their parenting ways, but they would say how to dial influences and dial them out. So by having kids in my car or having kids over at the house, I can see which friends need to come over more often because my kids completely themselves or they're, they're comfortable and I can see which ones are going to kind of draw them in a direction. I don't want them to go. So it's not completely micromanaging that, but being aware of which people you want to make real easy, like, Hey, let's invite so-and-so over. Hey, let's go to coffee with her mom. Um, and making those opportunities easily available for people that just bring out the best in them. High school, I'm learning painfully to let go and watching how God works. And, you know, like I wanted Ella to be on the tennis team. She didn't love it. And she decided to get a job and she has learned more and grown more through that job than she ever would have in tennis for her particularly. And so kind of watching them fail, so to speak, or do things not according to your plan <laughs> going like, God, you know, all the things that she needs to learn as a high schooler, and you're going to put her in places that I didn't see coming. And so I am I am struggling if you're, if I'm honest, like it's a lot of them being away and I like to be real involved. So I'm forcing myself to ungrip and lose, slowly loosen that grip so that when they leave for college, I'm not in a coma crying <laughs> on the floor. So there's a few ideas for those years. I love how you articulate those ideas and it kind of makes me hungry for more. So are there any, if you expand it beyond those tween and teen years, are there any things that stand out specifically when they were younger that you're so grateful you did to cultivate their faith yeah, life? Yeah, yeah. Overall, looking back and so glad we invested. I think babies' years, I'm so glad I held them. Like, I think we can get so wrapped up into schedules and doing it right that it's like, don't forget you have a newborn for just a little season. Like, hold them, not all the time, but snuggle them, enjoy them. And on the downside, I shopped too much. I was all into the like the matching smocking outfits, you know, and looking back, I'm like, man, I spent a whole lot of time making sure they looked perfect. And I don't know if that is probably worth, I mean, do it every now and then. But I, I remember being obsessed for a season to make sure every, and I have girls. So it was like every season they matched and had the perfect dress. And, you know, that wasn't probably great time spent. Um, I also am glad we were in small groups. We had a consistent small group through church that just put me around other believers, other moms and dads together that were kind of thinking ahead and thinking how we were going to do this in a way that honors God. And that constant just work on your own faith and in your own marriage really set up perspective to not just drown when it's physically draining and just be like, okay, I need to pull away for a minute, pull up and see that life is bigger and more complicated than this one season of whatever the formula thing was or whatever the sleeping issue was. And so our small groups have the same baby years were huge. 
toddlers and preschool, I am so thankful we played and we focus on discipline. And you will see that with many people that didn't really want to discipline their kids. And then they get to like age eight, nine, they're like, oh my gosh, we probably should have told them <laughs> some boundaries. So I would say toddlers just, it's not fun, but just stay consistent at teaching them that you are the mom and dad. They can't run in the street. They can't throw Cheerios at people. Like those things will play out that they will respect your voice and know that you mean it later when it's, you can't physically pick them up and put them in timeout when they're in elementary school. Um, and then lastly at elementary, the carpool was just huge to consistently be there, field trips and not all of them. I don't want to put this guilt on someone that's working full time. It's not really the quantity. Like you don't have to go to everyone, but show up in a couple of their environments so they can see that you're present. And then play dates, just really getting them around other kids and teaching them how to share and the creativity that comes from playing is just massive for them. So those are a few like time investments. And then if you want to, we can get into some of the faith aspects for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to elaborate on the faith part and also how you are making sure that your home is one that's welcoming for them to now bring their friends. Are there any yeah, practical things sure. you do? Yeah, I'll touch on that one first. I think that um, we, even when we were shopping for a home, we had that lens in mind. Like, what did the backyard look like? You know, can we get a trampoline? Like, are there things that they can do here? Um, and I don't think it has to do money. It's just like, is the home set up a way? And then it's not like, I remember some of my friends' homes growing up were so perfect. We literally couldn't walk in certain rooms or they had to vacuum it. <laughs> so we're pretty like go with the flow. Like you'll look in my kitchen and there's hoverboard tracks all over the cabinets at the base because I let them ride hoverboards to the house. They learn to skate in here. And so I guess just caution people not to make your home so perfect that Kids don't, you know, have respect. They can't just destroy the place and like spray paint the dining room, <laughs> but they can feel comfortable to be kids. Uh, my mom, when I was growing up, would put a cereal box. If she knew, like if you came over, Lauren, she, you said, I really like Lucky Charms. She would have Lucky Charms in the top of the pantry every time. So our pantry had literally like 25 boxes of cereal. And I'd say that practically because there was something about my mom's environment and my dad, but my mom specifically was like, you are welcome here. You're not a bother you belong in our home. We're excited to see you. And that does wonders. There's a lot of kids that don't feel that and your home may be their only place to feel seen. Um, and so it's some of the practical stuff, but it's also just like knowing what's going on with them, checking in with them, greeting their friends in a place that they just want to keep coming back because they feel, you know, God's love through you. So lots of fun. And I try to say yes as often as I can on the sleepovers and the annoying things with the perspective that like, it will not always be this way. Like it will not always be a hundred sleeping bags and chips everywhere and all of that. So yeah, there's a couple examples there. And then on the faith things, I mean, this is such a hard question because every kid is different and some kids don't really grasp a hold of the gospel until they're in college. Some kids are at early age. And so anything you can do to keep that conversation going, not in a mandate, you're not, you know, you don't want them to feel like you're not enough. You're not living up to this spiritual, you know, angel that I spoke to, but that it's a real thing and it's not always easy. So, you know, obvious statement is that we need to live it out, that we need to be talking about our own journey. We need to pray. We need to be in the word. And I haven't always done that. Amazing. But I will say with this cancer journey, they have seen our faith come to life. It's like this, we believe what we say we believe. And we are going to like Ron has been on his knees on a pillow every day since he got that diagnosis, praying and thanking God for what he did. 
They've seen our friends at our community of faith, like show up and lift us up in a way that we all felt this surreal kind of peace. It's like, you can't just make that up and snap it into place. It's, it's years of investing in what we believe in that really came to light. Also, and this was on my first book, I probably talked about it in your first podcast, but I'm really big into them experiencing faith over hearing constant lectures. So if you say, hey, generosity is a huge piece of who we are as a family, it's what God thinks is a great idea. How do we do that regularly as a family and not just talk about it? Because words are good, but it's really when you see the action of faith play out that that sinks something in them. And I know it was true of me growing up. My mom just lived out service and and loving others in a way that it was real and you saw it. Okay. La next one. I know these are all over the place, but so someone will get it. Um, but I do think, like I said, now in these high school years, like, do I truly trust that God has the best plan for Ella? And now that she's in high school, like it is hard. Like, for example, I want her to go to Auburn. She may not go to Auburn, <laughs> but I really want her to. So I'm going to show her Auburn, but ultimately say to her, I trust that God's going to guide you to the school and if you should go to college and which one and really like live that and not try to manipulate her entire life. And it's easy for us to do because we had certain dreams of what these little girls may grow up to be, or, but consistently putting them around youth groups that make God seem fun and where they can get a message and also reading your own experience. Like if I get an email from someone that something impacted them or I prayed for them, I will read to them like, hey, this is what happened while y'all were at school today. This is how God showed up and I can't believe it. So kind of a constant awe of what he's doing. I'm so excited to tell you about our two sponsors for this episode, Solid Rock Christian Academy in Morton, Illinois, and also Chick-fil-A located in East Peoria, Illinois. Solid Rock Christian Academy is a brand new private grade school, and they currently have a kindergarten class for the 2022-23 school year. They are planning to add a grade each year, and they are offering both first grade and kindergarten for fall of 2023. Their goal is to provide their students with a solid biblical education with curriculum that both challenges and meets each student at every learning level. They also believe in offering low technology in their day. They encourage parental involvement through volunteering, and they have a learning environment that teaches students respect, discipline, and real-world life lessons. You might have noticed their remodel this past year at their new location on 4th Street in Morton. For more information on enrollment for your child, or if you have a teaching degree and are interested in applying, or if you're interested in donating to their worthy cause, you can visit their website, solidrockchristianacademy.org. Chick-fil-A East Peoria remains one of our consistent and loyal sponsors. I will limit myself to my four favorite things. First, if you like free food, you've got to download their free app. Simply stated, when you eat more chicken, you get to enjoy more treats. Also, if you've never visited them for breakfast before, you're totally missing out. Served Monday through Saturday from 6.30 until 10.30 a.m., it's full of mouth-watering options and they always have healthy options available, low in calories, high in protein, and unbelievable in taste. If you want to work alongside positive, cheerful, and super inspiring people, you should consider joining their team. Visit cfaeastpeoria.com to fill out an application. There are roles in marketing, hospitality, and administration that you may not think of when you envision Chick-fil-A. So check them out and apply today. 
Finally, their generosity blows me away. You can follow them on social media to find out more about the tens of thousands of dollars they've given away in college scholarships. Visit them in the Levy District or check them out online at cfaeastpeoria.com. You partnered with ParentQ to release this unique study and journal for moms and tween daughters. So will you just tell us more about that? Yeah, I think I was getting into, there's a, a real shift, and you know this from your girls. It's all so cute. Like kindergarten, first grade, second grade, it's rainbows, unicorns, make-believe. It's all so sweet. And then all of a sudden around third grade, third, fourth, these girls and boys switch to be like, oh my gosh, there's other friendships are hard. My body's changing. Like, it's like they wake up into a new level of life that is, it's hard to watch because you're like, oh my goodness, they never doubted their confidence. And now all of a sudden they don't like their legs or whatever the thing is. And so I was looking around for a study that I could do with moms and daughters. Cause I do feel like in that third, fourth, sixth age range, they're still thinking we're pretty cool and they're not embarrassed to be with us around middle school that shifts. And they're like, please don't come in. You know, Don't show up. I don't want you around. And then I'm happy to say they come back around. Ella like wants me around here in 10th grade. But all that to say, I wanted something for moms and daughters to talk about, not just Jesus, because of course we want to walk them through the Bible, but really the topics that were consistently hard and, and hurting most of these girls. And I was watching it come to life with my kids. So I knew it was supposed to be a study. I knew it was supposed to be for tween girls about nine to 13 and God just kept pressing on me certain topics. And so I also knew I wasn't capable of doing the whole thing. And so I called my buddies at Orange that do, does curriculum in churches all over the world and just said, hey, if I write most of it, will you help me design it? Will you help make it better? And they said yes. And so we put out Treasured a few years ago. It's got six different sessions and there's a journal and a study. But the first one's about identity. The question is, what's unique about me? The second one is body, what's happening to my body. The third one is how do I handle my emotions, obviously emotions, then friends, then technology, and then faith. And so I felt like if we did those six really well, we would really touch on a majority of what is consuming their hearts and minds during that time. We really set them on a trajectory where they might not get it and, and um, succeed at it, but they would have some seeds planted that when it's middle school and when it's high school, they can go back to, oh my gosh, what did we you know, Lord, put my heart back on what we already knew about friendships. And this is feeling weird again. What should I, how should I um, kind of anchor my thoughts on that topic around what Jesus might say? There's a um, DVD and I don't know who has DVDs anymore, but there's a digital version, we'll say, <laughs> of the study that you can do in small groups of moms and daughters. And then there's a journal that, that comes alongside and it's really designed for moms and daughters to do together in their own quiet space. So the journal portion can... You share a little bit more what that's about if they yeah, do it. Yeah, for sure. I'm a visual learner and I know my kids have like very little attention spans. So there's a lot of like drawing and interacting with your mom in there. So for example, I'm looking at the identity one right now. It um, takes them through like an exercise where they fill out like a thumbprint, like what is unique about me? And you draw in there and it's a chance for a mom to say like, I see unique things about you. Like you're not you're different than your friend. Your friend isn't better than you. You're just different because I see the way God did this. So, um, and it's also, I've had a lot of moms reach out and be like, oh my gosh, did I need this? And so it's an exercise of a, a daughter reaching into some of these truths, but then a mom right alongside her, either doing the crafty activity or reading through some of the questions. My, my hope 
at the bottom of my heart is that people have conversations that this tool just kind of spurred up and set them in their laps versus like, hey, we're going to learn from Courtney and Orange and just like read out this stuff and memorize it. It's more of like just stirring the pot. Like as we think about body, there's a lot of things that come with body. Um, we don't have the sex talk, but it, it tees you up to talk about some of these things that would naturally not come up otherwise. And so I really prayed when we were making it that these conversations would just become so normal that let's say emotions, when a daughter did struggle with her emotions, it's not the first time she's thought of it. And it's not awkward for her to come back to her mom and say, I feel so jealous or I feel so teary all the time, or I'm angry. Like, what do I do with that? And they can kind of circle back and, and talk through some things that, you know, this started with them. Hmm. Well, and I love how you had mentioned previously that you love that experiential learning. So yeah. can you yeah, just yeah. give one example of an activity that's involved in this? Study? Yeah, for sure. Let me flip through. It's been so long. I picked it up this morning and I thought, man, I don't even know if I went through this in detail with uh, Larson. So I needed to circle back to it. But um, a couple of things it has in there. I had a 12 year old or 11 year old that I trusted write a devotion and they can read out from another girl's words, which I think is super important. Okay. One of the things with emotions, I feel like the main idea is that you actually can be in control of your emotions more than you think. So it's not like total control, but it's like, you don't want them in the driver's seat. Like if you have a car, most of the tween world is that the emotions are just going so high because your body is changing. Your physical body is changing and your emotional interior is changing. So when they feel totally out of control and they just want to go punch something, okay, that's real. So let's start naming it. Like, were you angry? Were you hungry? And then it gives them an activity on how to, how to work through that and how to like gauge on the temperature. Okay. What are we feeling? First, it tells them first stop, you know, what are you feeling? And then you draw it now breathe. Next one is name it. What are you feeling? Are you frustrated, overwhelmed, scared, then refocus? What are things that can help you reset? Like maybe for one kid, it's a bath. One kid, it's a turning on some praise music and just equipping them for things I think I'm working on as a 46 year old, like how do I not let um, emotion in the heat of the thing dictate my whole day? How can I kind of reset and, and kind of pull up and look at it? Cause when they're little, it's like, it's mainly sadness and anger that come bursting out, but we know that there's more to that. And if they act only when they're hangry, life isn't going to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hold on, get a snack take a little breather and let's come back at that. Um, you know, we probably, you probably have had moments as an adult where you send an email in the heat of a moment when someone's hurt your kid and you're like, Oh my gosh, could I get that email back? Cause I shouldn't have said that when I was so angry and hurt, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, lots of practical things in there. And then on the study, there's videos from younger girls. It's not me. I try to find someone cool and hip and 20 something to walk through a really quick video. And there's always a visual. So they may be holding up in one session, they talk about clothing yourself. So they have the girl has on different hats and clothes. And um, so I love the videos. Even if you don't want to do a small group, they're digitally available and you can just pull them up. And there's questions that come with it because I want them to hear from someone in a real short kind of a short message, but kind of reframes their thinking. And then the journal is more activities. Let's draw this. There's verses. There is coloring verses all kinds of cutie things in here. Orange did a great job. I kind of set them up and then they made it really awesome. So I can say <laughs> it's awesome. That is fantastic. And even when it comes to podcasts, I know I love sharing podcast episodes with our daughters. 
And mm-hmm. I wonder if other moms are even doing the same thing right now with theirs. So it's yeah. helpful to kind of go further into those topics to see if treasured study is a good next step for them. Yeah. I do think the questions are a key piece because my natural bent, it's funny that I'm passionate about experiences over lecture, but my natural bent is to sit them down and tell them some wisdom, you know, and I have to constantly pry my fingers off of that too and say like, they are wiser than you think. Like when you ask them a question, what comes out of their mouth will completely surprise you. Like they have thought through a lot of the things you don't think they have. And so I even think at dinner time with your whole family or even these bedtime things, even if you pick it up and just pick one question, it can start conversations where you'll see their heart and go, man, they're really struggling with this. Or man, they really have a good grip on what, friend, I mean, they can see right through it. Like little girls are just stinking smart. They can see through all the stuff with friendships around the lunch table and they can see why it doesn't feel good. And they can even have moments where you could say like, hey, what, where in this area of friendship do you think you could be a better friend? So it's not just all the other kids, you know, hurting me. It's like, where could I say, oh, I could be a better encourager. Or, oh, I could include people more often. And so I think it kind of takes the, you know, when they're in trouble, we sit them down and tell them, here's the five things you did wrong. And they're not learning because they're just embarrassed. And so I think these non-threatening moments with our daughters really help them open up in a way that we can affirm who they are, step into some hurts and pray about it together. And I just love it. Love it all. I didn't always do it well. I have to keep saying that. Like my kids would say, yeah, she hadn't put us to bed in a couple of years. <laughs> but lately I've been going up there and scratching their backs again and, and not trying to miss those opportunities. Well, I think that's incredibly helpful to zoom in even on a particular resource and get those practical applications. But then as we zoom out further, how can we disciple our children to be a friend of God? Yeah, I think, I don't know if I've done this well myself, but I do know that there's nothing more heartbreaking than when your daughter feels alone and or your son it's hurt. You know, it's like that mama bear comes out on you and there's things that you cannot control and they just are hurt. And so I think in those moments, it's like teaching them that you feel so alone and it's not true. You have a family that loves you. You have a million friends, but they feel really alone sometimes. And just saying like, you will actually never be alone. Like there is a someone that lives inside of you that knows your every thought and just reminding them of that truth. And now one lady at Orange told me this story and I just loved it. She said her daughter got in the car one day from the lunchroom and the lunchroom is just the worst. I mean, it's so painful. So she gets in the car, no one sat with me at lunch. She's crying. And she said, I went into this sermon about how God loves you and you're never alone. And she said, I know all that. What do I do about the lunchroom? <laughs> and so I was like, man, that is it right there. Like we don't stop telling them the truth that they are never alone and God is with them. But there's some very real tween and teen things that they're like, but what about this? And so I think we have to engage in both, try to help them solve it practically, but never stop reminding them that they truly aren't alone. Um, We use music a lot. And I've noticed my girls, like when I don't know what to say, I'll just put on praise music and we'll just kind of sit in that in the car. Or I've noticed Ella always turns it on when she's showering, when they're cleaning their room. And that is just truth that is just going in their hearts over and over again. It kind of helps them. I've noticed it helps both of mine reset in a way. Like if I've told them to clean the room again, they're mad at me. Like, don't just stomp around the room, put on some crazy music and you'll all of a sudden have a different environment up there. So yeah, I think just keeping to remind them, um, putting them around people that would remind them that Jesus is with them and sees them. And then you can specifically pray. Like, I I don't think the Holy Spirit is something that's like 18 and up. I believe once they've invited God into their heart, 
the Holy Spirit can speak to them. And so pray that they'll recognize his voice and that they will feel really seen personally by him. So they're not always drafting off our faith. They're having their own experience and, and they may be not mature enough to say like, mom, God, you know, put this verse in front of my head, but they're having those experiences and just pray that God really almost repeats himself so that they go, wow, God did see me in that, or he did send the person to text me, or he did send dad up when I needed somebody or that kind of thing. I'm making it sound easier than it is, but I think it's a huge pillar of their faith to know that they are never alone. And there's someone that personally can hold the entire world in his hands. And he can also know that, you know, Larson may be struggling and with fear or whatever the personal thing is. Well, and when you're speaking this, it reminds me of the scripture I came across. I remember it meant something different when I became a mom. It's in Ephesians 5. It's parts of 18 through 20. It says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise by singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think you just illustrated that is such a great way to disciple is even pointing them to praise music. It seems too good to be true. As they get in the car and say, Mom, you won't believe this. And just say like, I don't know for sure, but that may have been God. Just like, you know, if they say something like, this is crazy, this happened to say, it might not have been coincidence. It might have been God trying to send you and kind of getting their eyes used to looking for that. And I'll tell you this story that um, I just shared in a message this weekend, and it just blew me away. It's a, one of the most surreal encounters I've had with the Lord. And I tell my girls about this because I'm like, be looking. It's not just for me. Like, he can do this stuff. But it was on my birthday a couple years ago, and we've been here in Texas about seven years. But I just get homesick around my birthday. I'm like, I want to be with my mom. I want to go see my sister. And so I get a little pouty every year and I was sitting here feeling particularly frumpy because it was COVID. I'd gained some weight and I'm like, oh, like (laughs) having a for real pity party. And I remember Sarah Haggerty, a friend of mine said, you can just ask God, what do you think of me? And then write down whatever he says. And he's never spoken audibly to me, but he will put things in my heart that I'm like, was that my heart burn? Did I just make that up? And so I just heard him say, not audibly, lovely. You are lovely. And that would have been quite the opposite of what I was feeling. I was believing some lies from the enemy that morning. And I just was on my porch and just said, Lord, what do you think of me? Which I think is such a great question our girls can ask to make sure they're hearing truth and not the enemy just lying to them. And so fast forward about an hour or so, my friend neighbor texted me and said, Hey, I put a little something on your porch for your birthday. And I was like, Oh, someone remembered. And I go out there and there's, I don't even remember what she gave me. It could have been earrings, dish towel, but on the front was a card and I open it and said, you are lovely. Hmm. I mean, what? (laughs) It was literally like, God's like, I'm telling you, I'm trying to tell you you're lovely. And I called Ashley crying and I said, what? Oh my gosh. And she said, the crazy thing is I prayed that morning for God to use me in little ways just to remind my friends how much God loves them. And I went to find your birthday card and I've had this card forever. And it's like, it just jumped out of the box that it was for you. So I just put it on your porch and I tell my girls that because it's like that we all need that. We all need the Holy spirit to enter into our day and say like, I see you and you are not a failure. You are not ugly. You are not you know, just average or blah. Like I'm trying to think all the things they say, but you are lovely. And so I have clung on to that and tried to remember that that is available. Like you said, in Ephesians, it's available to us. And we just need to be listening and pray that God will show himself to our kids because it's possible. Yeah. Your story brings tears to my eyes. Isn't because that cool? 
there's scripture that says he delights in every detail of our lives. And that is beautiful. It is so cool. So I say all of us ask today and don't feel afraid if it's like, well, I heard busy. Well, that's probably not him. Like if it's convicting, that's okay. If it's condemning and telling you you're awful, it's not his voice. And so I just say, Lord, just ask it over and over again, because I think that's not selfish. I think we just need to be reminded and kind of get those voices out. And our kids have a very loud internal voice and we need to teach them how to not just believe what Satan is spinning in their head um, or what their friends said. We can believe what friends say and their friends get a really loud voice in their mind and their heads in middle school, particularly. And we just need to keep training them how to just deflect that in some way. Like that is not who you are. Maybe you had a bad day. Maybe you were angry, but that's, you are not a bad person and just keep retraining and redirecting. It's no, it is. Can I just say, this is so hard. Like people that are like, acting like it's easy. It's not easy. Like it is hard to be intentional. And that's why I think we, I don't know how people do it without Jesus because you have four girls. I'm already exhausted with two. Like <laughs> it will take the power of the Holy spirit to parent these kids and you won't get to the full list is what I'm realizing. I have this like mental checklist of all the things I need to teach them before they graduate. And my husband's like, it's not possible. Like it's not even possible to get to all the things like teach them how to change a flat tire, make sure they floss. Like, <laughs> All the practical and emotional things. We need the Lord for sure. Who is someone you love? Who could use encouragement today? With that person in mind, will you think back to all the Savvy Sauce podcasts and articles available and choose one to share with them right now? Or if you want to love and encourage our team, we invite you to join Patreon. You can put your love of the Savvy Sauce into action by visiting thesavvysauce.com clicking on the Patreon tab, then following the prompts under Join Patreon here. We can't wait for you to have access to all the bonus features that we offer our patrons. Thanks for your support. Courtney, I consider you to be a queen of resources. What are the other books and podcasts and resources that you turn to for parenting? I have a lot of friends in this space, so I will say, on books, top of the list that just came to my mind, so I guess I should share in case the Lord needs this, wants to give this to somebody. Jeannie Kanyan is a dear friend of mine. We went to Auburn, but she has several books. Parenting the Wholehearted Child is a great one, her first one. And then she's got a couple since then that some is about your child's faith. And um, don't miss out. It's basically what we've been talking about. Like, don't miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit for you as a mom, but then also for your kids. So any of her books I would highly recommend have been great. And then one that just came to my mind this morning that has been a long time, but it's a part of Orange. But Kara Powell is a doctor and she wrote a book called Sticky Faith. And this really piqued my interest because there is a huge percentage of kids that will walk away from their faith in the college years. They just get out of their parents' like dictatorship and they're like, well, now I'm going to do whatever I want. And so she's a researcher. So she did research on what are the kids that stayed in their faith and didn't do it perfectly, but stayed connected to their faith. What were the common denominators? And so that I love data. I'm like, okay. And it's a short list. And I remember not being condemned or overwhelmed going like, okay, I can do this. I can stay at these things and just pray for them that they will stay around. So that one's a good one. Then on podcast, I love Heather McFadden. She has one called Don't Mom Alone. And she is so, so grounded in the Lord. And I love the way she interviews. There's hundreds of them. She's been doing it for years and years. So probably like 300 episodes. And they're real topical. So you can scroll through and find whatever the thing is that you're 
struggling with. And you can pretty much find one. I think her website even has a search engine where you could say like, you know, screaming toddlers or a marriage on the rocks while you're parenting. You can search some things on her site and they'll, they'll help. Um, but I do like just her heart and knowing how she's going to reframe just like you're doing. Like it's, we could talk all day about kids behavior, but are we rooted that conversation in Jesus? And she does that really well. Um, the next one podcast is called birds on a wire. Karen Stubbs. I love her. I just wrote the forward for her new book. Um, that's a survival guide to motherhood. And she has a great podcast similar to Heather's. It's called birds on a wire. And you can search also by topic. And I remember one time I was going in to have a confrontation with a couple middle school moms that our three daughters got in trouble. And I really felt like I was supposed to kind of call us all out and kind of circle the wagons on these girls. And I just was about 10 minutes early and I pulled that up because I was like, Lord, I need you, but I don't know how to phrase this in a way that won't offend these two moms. And she had a thing that was like approaching other parents when it's tricky or something like that. I just scrolled through and it leapt off the screen and I listened to it. And it was just like having a mentor right beside me. And Karen's been a mentor a long time, but I can't have coffee with her. She's in Atlanta. I'm here. And so I really, she's, if you don't have a mentor in your life, which I highly recommend, um, she's a virtual mentor. You can, she's got grown kids. She's been through it all. She's super real. She's not, she's in touch with actually what's hard and uh, she's awesome. That is such a great list. And I'll link to a few previous episodes. Karen has been a repeat guest and Gina came on to talk about the Holy Spirit and her book, Don't Miss Out. So I second your opinions on all of those ladies that you recommended. Oh, good, good, good. Awesome. Well, and now just for fun, what are some of your favorite relationship building activities to do with your daughters? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot. I really, you know, like I said, I teeter on obsession with them. So I really love, and I would say in the teen years, don't believe the lie that's awful. Like, I, I just think what you're, it's almost like what you're looking for. And I don't want to use that whole word manifest, but it's like God says we can set our minds on things. Like if you set your mind that you're going to enjoy your kids in the teen years, it is hard. Like it's emotionally, the technology is so hard to manage. Like it's, it is emotionally hard, but I wouldn't look back at, at someone in a two-year-old, three-year-old phase and be like, oh, just get over it. You know, it, it's physically draining, like having to stay awake and, you know, like get these threads physically through this stuff is super draining. So just don't put the entire basket of teenage years as hard when it's real. Look for the good. Like they're fun people. They're becoming their own humans. Their friends are hilarious. So I've tried to engage, but also I've told them up front, like, I will not be your best friend. Like I will be your friend, but I'm at the end of the day, it's my job to parent you and you're not going to like some things. And I'm typically the disciplinarian. So they've been mad at me more than Ron, but there's some fun moments. So a couple of those are, um, we like to travel together. And even if it's a day road trip or we've gone some pretty cool places because of the the airline perks, but we love seeing new places and trying new restaurants. Obviously with girls, they like all the things. My girls are super girly. So they like nails, shopping, thrifting, coffee, all those little things. Thrifting is one I didn't do growing up, but you can go like give them a budget of $10 or $20 and take them to a thrift store and they can find some really cool finds. And so that's a less expensive one than going to like Lululemon or you know anthropology, um, giving them some budgets like that. Ella loves music. She um, sings and does choir, but she got on a Harry Styles kick and I'm not endorsing Harry Styles as a human being, but his music is fun. We've been to two concerts together and we've gotten some flack from some other Christians that are like, oh, you know, just 
saying that he's not the best influence, but I know her heart. She's grounded in Jesus and she, but she loves a good song. We had more fun at those concerts. Like I was squealing like a teenager, uh, you know, it was so fun. So those have been fun for us. Um, Larson is my crafty girl. So any sort of get her hands in something, make something, paint something. So I've tried to make time for that with her or just supply it, you know, like say you're not, she's 13, but she will still get into some slime and she loves to make a mess. So when her friends come over, I have to like bite my tongue and not say gross. I don't want any more slime and just let them be crafty. And sometimes I'll get involved with that. Um, the other one that I would highly recommend, and I'm a little biased because I'm on the board, but um, Lighthouse Family Retreat is a place where you can serve families with cancer. And we do that about every other year. And I'm telling you, any it doesn't even matter if it's a, a mission trip locally, you know, internationally, or even in your own town, like showing them what it feels like to use their gifts and just their presence for other people is a great way to spend time together. And you'll see the best of your kids come out. I love who my family is at Lighthouse. It's like all the needs and the whininess is gone. And they're just zoning in on this family that's had a child walking through cancer. Their siblings have been destroyed by it. The marriages are almost destroyed. And we get to basically help them have a great beach vacation. And I've never seen my kids do laundry like this or clean up. I'm like, I didn't know you had these skills. And they are making sure this family has their floors swept and their food, the whole babies. It's really a powerful thing to watch. So that will probably, if you ask them, that would probably be top of their list of things they've loved together as a family. Wow. What a creative and meaningful idea. You are, you're just a fresh spring of ideas. And <laughs> if we want to dive deeper into any of these topics that we covered today, where would you direct us after this conversation? Yeah, you can search my name and podcast. I've done a lot of podcasts, but I did have one for a season called Treasured. And that has about 100 episodes that I still fully support. I just got tired. And during COVID, I had a lot of migraines and some new diagnosis there. And I just took a break and I haven't, I haven't gone back yet. So you're one of the first podcasts I've done in a long time. But I would say Treasured Podcast probably has um, a lot about raising girls. That's probably it. And I'm on Instagram every now and then, but I'm not really consistently putting out content. But I try to use it as a place when God puts something on my heart, I'll try to specifically encourage people with whatever that thought is. So check me out there, but just know like this all sounds good, but my kids are at an age where I can't throw them under the bus too often. It's their life. And so what you can see from people like me is like, Oh man, their life is perfect. No, we've had some rough goes and I just can't talk about it all the time. So just know you're normal. Don't give up keep being intentional. Every day is new, one foot in front of the other, and just really get good at apologizing. Cause I do that more than anything. I'm like, guys, I was not nice yesterday. I am so sorry. So if you interviewed my girls, they would be able to tell you a full load of things that have not gone well here, but I'm just an imperfect mom trying to follow Jesus and, and really steward these kids that I only have for just a little season. Well, I think your transparency is very relatable. And you may remember from last time, we're called the Savvy Sauce because savvy is synonymous with practical knowledge. And so as my final question for you today, Courtney, what is your Savvy Sauce? I do think uh, because of the mom that I had and because of a certain wiring of mine, I love being a cheerleader and specifically for my kids and encouraging them very specifically I think, like I said, like if someone had just called me on my birthday and said, you're so great, that would have been awesome. But because they were specific and followed the Lord's prompting, 
it hits so deep. And I just think encouragement is biblical. Like he tells us to spur one, one another on in Hebrews and encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. And so I think it's not to say you can't discipline your kids, but they need reminders all the time that they're good, that they're kind, that they're worthy of being a great friend. And so just pray that God can like peek into their hearts and see specifically where they're struggling. And you can call out whether it's physically like, Hey, I love your, your, you look so cute in those pants or, Hey, I love the sister that you are. Like I see you Ella and how you protect her. I mean, I wrote something on this recently on Instagram about their relationship. And it was a prayer that I had early on that they would be sisters that loved each other. And they have fought and it has unnerved me because I don't like, <laughs> I want them to get along so bad, but watching their relationship develop over the years has been really sweet. And so I try to encourage that specifically and say, you know, Lars, I love how you gave her and her friend space. And, you know, I was a little sister. I know what it's like to knock on the door and want to be <laughs> included. So just really try to call out the things that they're doing well and not just nitpick all the things, which I am a nitpicker. I, and I have to catch myself all the time be like, all they've heard today is pick up your clothes. Oh my gosh. Why do you leave trash there? That tone is rude. Like there's time for direction, but I would say the majority of your mouth needs to be lifting them up and, and not inflating. Like you don't want them to go on American Idol and have no voice and be like, my mom told me I was a great singer. <laughs> it's like, you don't want to be projecting lies, but it's like, you want them to be feel seen and that they're good enough in your home. Because I do think in the Christian culture, this was convicting me to me a few years ago, that they can feel like they have to earn their love. Like they have to be good enough to be loved by us and they have to be good enough to be loved by Jesus. And that is just false. And so anything we can do to counteract that. And I think encouragement is a huge piece of it. You know, Ella texted me today about a GPA and a ranking. And I said, Ella, this is not your identity. Like, I want you to try your best. But at the end of your life, you are not going to look back and be like, I'm so glad I was 12th percentile in my class. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So just constantly redirecting them that they are enough. And it's, it's tricky. It's tricky because I do see the trash on the floor and the gum on the side of the car seat and <laughs> all that stuff. So that's the quick answer to Savvy Sauce. I would say knowing your kid, cheering them on and having a heart of encouragement for them. I love it. Courtney, you are always lovely and fun and uplifting. Oh. And I really did enjoy hosting you. Thanks for being my returning guest today. Thank you. Keep up the good work. I know so many moms are clinging to this when maybe they have a lonely season and they need a friend. So you're being a friend of so many and it's going further and wider than you probably even know. So keep up the good work. Mm, goodness. Thank you for the encouragement. One more thing before you go. Have you heard the term gospel before? It simply means good news. And I want to share the best news with you, but it starts with the bad news. Every single one of us were born sinners, and God is perfect and holy, so He cannot be in the presence of sin. Therefore, we're separated from Him. This means there's absolutely no chance we can make it to heaven on our own. So for you and for me, it means we deserve death and we can never pay back the sacrifice we owe to be saved. We need a Savior. But God loved us so much, He made a way for His only Son to willingly die in our place as the perfect substitute. This gives us hope of life forever in right relationship with Him. That is good news. Jesus lived the perfect life we could never live and died in our place for our sin. 
This was God's plan to make a way to reconcile with us so that God can look at us and see Jesus. We can be covered and justified through the work Jesus finished if we choose to receive what he has done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take our place. I pray someone today, right now, is touched and chooses to turn their life over to you. Will you clearly guide them and help them take their next step in faith to declare you as Lord of their life? We trust you to work and change the lives now for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are declaring him for me, so me for him you get the opportunity to live your life for Him. At this podcast, we are called Savvy for a reason. We want to give you practical tools to implement the knowledge you have learned. So you're ready to get started? First, tell someone. Say it out loud. Get a Bible. The first day I made this decision, my parents took me to Barnes & Noble to get the Quest NIV Bible, and I love it. Start by reading the book of John. Get connected locally which basically means just tell someone who is part of the church in your community that you made a decision to follow Christ. I'm assuming they will be thrilled to talk with you about further steps, such as going to church and getting connected to other believers to encourage you. We want to celebrate with you too, so feel free to leave a comment for us if you made a decision for Christ. We also have show notes included where you can read scripture that describes this process. Finally, be encouraged. Luke 15.10 says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The heavens are praising with you for your decision today. If you've already received this good news, I pray that you have someone else to share it with today. You are loved, and I look forward to meeting you here next time.